Blog Talk Radio. of the last 25 years. I would put him top 10 of the last 25 years. And the greatest cruiserweight fighter of all time, the greatest fighter ever to come out of Atlanta, Georgia. And you can make an argument he's one of the 10 greatest heavyweights of all time, one of the greatest chins of all time, one of the greatest hearts of all time, one of the greatest fighters of all time, Evander, the real deal, Holyfield. Yeah, he's really a machine that was built to fight. Uh, this guy he just had uh, every quality he would want in a fighter, and and he he has every every offensive weapon down pa- down packed. The, the hooks to the body, a sensational left jab, great great right cross, hand speed, and um something you said early in the series when we did Marvin when we did the show on Marvin Hagler and you said about Hagler. If you look in the if you were to look in the Webster's dictionary and if they had a picture of a boxer, Hagler would be the perfect prototype for that. Holyfield would also fit that bill because he was built. You look at Holyfield, perfect body. Just a perfect body for a fighter, just like Marvin Hagler. I think those two epitomize what a fighter should be and what a fighter should fight as. Those two guys very similar in style and built. Yeah, man, and uh they, they definitely you know, they they didn't put a lot of emotion into these fights. They just, you know, very calmly went in there and did their jobs, and uh, uh, they rarely got, you know, flustered. Except for Hagler with that fight with Sugar Ray, you know, he was he was. Mach- what, a, what a testament to uh, to Holyfield is he's a nice guy outside the ring. He's a nice guy. Never said a bad word about anybody. A very religious man. Goes in the ring, and it's all business. Yeah. So let's talk about his um, early career. He uh, he had some little bit stumbles at the Olympics, right? He he was robbed. One of the worst, the two the two worst robberies in the history of Olympic boxing occurred in 1984 and 1988. 1988, Roy Jones beat up a, a Korean fighter in the Korean Olympics, beat him from pillar to post. The Korean barely survived three rounds, and the Korean won the decision. A horrible decision. Horrible decision. The other horrible um, Olympic decision was in 1984. Second, um, this this was the quarterfinal. I'm sorry, semifinal match. The winner to go fight for the gold medal. Uh, Holyfield fights Kevin Barry from um, New Zealand, and he's beating the shit out of Barry. And in the second round, the referee calls for stop. While Holyfield's left hand is already in midst of throwing the hook. You can't pull it back. He catches Barry. Barry goes out like he's been shot. Referee disqualifies um, Evander Holyfield. Unbelievable. Howard Cosell lost his fucking mind. And wow. And Holyfield was the best fighter of that Olympics, but didn't win a gold medal. Had to settle for a bronze as he got robbed. 
Damn, man, that is just that's just wrong. But you know, whatever he. Calls break while you're in the midst of throwing a punch. You can't pull the punch back. Yeah, that that just I, you know, um, it's interesting that uh, this it happened. I think many ways this propelled him to. And, and, and just like with Roy Jones, and you're about to say something, I know what you're about to say. When Roy Jones got ripped off, he vowed that would never happen to him again, and he had one of the greatest careers. He, he's also one of the top ten fighters in the last 25 years, along with Holyfield. Holyfield, not flustered, very religious man. That just propelled him to work harder, and he wasn't going to put himself in that position again. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, it's just these kind of things. In Holyfield's prime, he was never robbed. And these kind of things, you know, for the fighters that have the good head on their shoulders, man, it just makes them better. So he uh, he came back from that, uh, obviously, and and was undefeated for a very long time as a, as a pro, pro fighter. He was undefeated for the first eight years of his career. So, yeah, and uh, it was, uh, he was dominant. Um, early in his career, he wins his first 11 fights. When he when he fights for the uh, WBA Cruiserweight Championship, a fight we covered here on the Greatest Fight Series, July 12, 1986, one of the greatest cruiserweight fights of all time. He wins a 15-round split decision over Dwight Muhammad Quarry. Should have been a split decision. That Holyfield won the fight, but Quarry gave him hell. It was uh, very similar to like Ali, the Thriller Manila, Ali Frazier three, where it was just a war. Cause Quarry one of the greatest small fighters of all time because he bobs and weaves a la Joe Frazier and he keeps the pressure on you. Holyfield outworks Quarry to win a split decision and wins the WBA Cruiserweight Championship in only his 12th professional fight. And then he would go on and defend the title three more times when we go now to December 5th, 1987 where he defends the title for the fourth time in the rematch against Dwight Muhammad Quarry. Yeah, now Kawhi, this guy is like a turtle. His head basically disappears into his neck. Dwight, Dwight Muhammad Kawhi is one of the greatest defensive fighters of all time that was a slugger. he make you miss because he, like you said, his, his, he was like a turtle, bobbing and weaving. It's like his head was going into the shell, and you throw the punch, and you can't you miss because the, head, the head's inside the shell. Yeah, I mean, a lot like Frazier and, his, and, and, and Tyson. I mean, kind of a, a you oh, know. Early Tyson. Yeah. Pre- Free um Buster Douglas Tyson. Yeah, obviously. So Kwali, uh we're going for he's this is the um IBF um cruiserweight title here. Or is it light heavyweight? Which are they the same? Cruiserweight, cruiserweight. Okay. So so um they this this fight obviously was um a lot more one sided than the uh, first one, but uh let's just go through the rounds here. The first two rounds it's all now uh, what I love about these three fights that we picked of, of, of Holyfield's greatest performances is each shows what, the different styles that Holyfield can do. Uh, Holyfield was the ultimate boxer puncher, a la Marvin Hagler, where your style would dictate how Holyfield would fight. If you were Mike Tyson or Dwight Muhammad Kwari, he would box. If you were if you were a runner like Carlos De Leon, oh, he would come after you. So in this fight. He's boxing, and he's boxing brilliantly. First two rounds, he's landing at will. Now, Quarry is making a miss from time to time, but Holyfield is throwing punches and bunches and making and, and, and landing at will and using that sensational jab of his. 
know, when they talk about greatest jabs of all time, Holyfield's never mentioned, but he had a sensational jab, especially when he fought a shorter fighter, a la Tyson, a la Quarry. That jab would keep those short fighters, those short aggressive fighters at bay. Yeah, that jab is like a battering ram, um, and he, he would double it up, too, a lot. He would double and triple it up, and once he blinds you, he lands that beautiful right cross of his, and he would also hook off the jab. You know, he had every offensive weapon known to mankind. And it was like, if you go in a textbook and you want to see how to throw a punch and you were studying boxing, watch films of Holyfield. He shows you when he fights how to throw the jab, how to throw the hook to the body, how to throw the right cross. He had every punch, and he threw it with picture-perfect textbook accuracy. And his, and his footwork, too, is underrated. Oh, his footwork, he always was in a position to punch you. To punch you, uh, oh, Logan, if you was an inside fighter, he would be inside just so he could smother your punches and beat the shit out of you to the body and outland you because he would use his length over over you and he would smother your shots. Or if he was at distance, he would have just enough distance where he would always be in position to hit you and get out of the way. And great defense, too. He blocks a lot of shots. When he wanted to be, Logan, and he was one of the best fighters ever at blocking punches. Yeah, blocked a lot lot of, you know, jabs would come in and he would swat them away first Tyson fight, he would roll with the punch. You might be able to hit him, but he would roll to the punch where it would be the least effect it would the least effect on him. He was a sensational roll with the punch type uh, defensive fighter. Yeah, so in this first and second round he's definitely getting the better of Quali. Uh they in the second round they even start fighting after the bell. Quali's frustrated Logan. He's getting his ass kicked. So he hits uh, Holyfield after the bell and Holyfield, even though he's a nice guy Inside the ring, his nickname wasn't the Warrior for a reason. He would give you back. Just like when um, Mike Tyson bit his ear and he went after Tyson like he was going to kill him, he don't back down from nobody. Nobody. Right, right. Now, his, he, in the third round, we, got, we saw an effective um, combo from um, Kwawi. That was about the only thing that we saw. One of the biggest flaws in Holyfield's arsenal and Holyfield's style is that when, when he gets hit, instead of trying to recover, tie up, he will fight back. He would fight back, and he would that warrior mentality would take over. It, it never really cost him, Logan, except in maybe the Riddick. You no, know, it did cost him in, in, in his two losses to Riddick Bow, where instead of trying to smother the punches and recover, he, he'd get hurt and he would go after him, and he wound up getting dropped and eventually knocked out in the third fight. This was a big floor, a floor is, and it happened in the third round against Quarry where he stood toe-to-toe with Quarry and very, very even round. And you, I, I wouldn't argue if you gave the third round to Quarry because Quarry actually fought his fight in the third round because Holyfield was suckered into slugging it out with him. Yeah, I mean, he got a solid right to the top of Quarry's head, but uh, and, and he finished with a good flurry. You know, he finished, yeah, he finished the round strong. And but the fourth round, oh wow, he lands a picture perfect left hook off the jab that drops Quarry. Quarry had one of the greatest chins in the history of boxing. He dropped Quarry with that once again, a textbook shot. The textbook left hook. Quarry goes down. Quarry gets up and then Quarry runs into a spectacular right cross. Quarry gets knocked out for the first time in his career. Fourth-round knockout, Holyfield continues continues his quest 
to become the eventual greatest cruiserweight champion of all time. Now, uh, Quarry, uh, did he fight after this? Yes, he fought a few months. He moved up to heavyweight, and he was knocked out by a comeback in George Foreman in a huge mismatch. Quarry fought way, by, way past his prime into his 40s. Quarry's a member of the International Boxing Hall of Fame, and his early zone. He's one of the greatest light heavyweights of the 1980s, came when, uh, during the, the best era of the light heavyweight division ever. Great fighter, beat Matthew Saimama twice, beat the shit out of him twice, beat a, beat a lot of good fighters, deservedly so, deservedly a member of the International Boxing Hall of Fame, former cruiserweight champion. Uh, when you're 5'6", you got no business fighting as a heavyweight. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, he did a lot for that size, but, yeah, you're right. Um, so the, so then, okay, so he, he wins this fight pretty easily, um, and then he goes now, on now, to... Now at this point, Logan, he's the IBS and WBA cruiserweight champion of the world. There's only one title left, the WBC version, which is held by Carlos De Leon, a guy who up, up until this point had held the cruiserweight championship three times. Now, tell, tell us a little bit about Carlos De Leon. Carlos De Leon was, was an excellent fighter. I wouldn't put him as an all-time great. He's a borderline Hall of Fame um, candidate. He's a four-time cruiserweight champion. He first won the title in 1980, a native of Puerto Rico. And, and in his career, he held the cruiserweight championship four times. This was after he won the championship for the third time. A year prior to this, Logan, he had robbed. It was a horrible decision. He fought Quarry and won a very decision. Quarry beat the shit out of him, and De Leon got a gift, a gift decision, which which uh, helped him get a shot at the WBC championship, which he won for a third time before fighting Holyfield here April of nineteen April of nineteen eighty eight in a fight that was a eighty nine. Right? I thought you said eighty nine. Eighty-eight. Oh, okay, I, I, I went. Okay, eighty-eight. So, so then he he fights uh, this guy here. I mean, but I, when I saw them in the ring together, I was like, man, De Leon does not look like he has any muscles <laughs> compared to. No, De Leon was always scrawny. This this fight was held April ninth, nineteen eighty-eight, and this was for the unification, the first ever undisputed cruiserweight champion of all time. And Holyfield already said before the fight that this was going to be his last fight because he had eyes. On Mike Tyson. So, De Leon had no shot in the world in this fight. I knew coming into this fight, at the time I was 20 years old, and my father and I were about to watch this fight, and we knew, and we're both Puerto Rican, but we knew De Leon was in a pimple on Holyfield's ass, and that the only way he would have beaten Holyfield if the fight was fixed. It, this was a brutal beating, a bru- one, of the, one of the most brutal beatings of that year, a, a one-sided beating. Yeah, I mean, what was De Leon's strategy here? It looked like he just allowed himself to get pushed up against the ropes. De Leon, but the first round he fought well. He moved. And yeah, he was on the outside. He was on the outside. But starting with the second round, he became the proverbial dope on the rope. <laughs> yeah, not the rope of dope, but. <laughs> dope on the rope. He got hit with a scorching right cross in the second round, and he was never the same after that. He just sat on the ropes and took a frightful beating. Yeah, and it was so I mean so in the he he's um I mean it was just like one round after another with the same kind of thing like Holyfield it was, it was a it was a carbon copy each round was a carbon copy of the one before that. Yeah. Beat, he would lay on the ropes and take a beating. Second round he got hit with a right cross and he was never the same. And Holyfield here in this fight 
you see his entire repertoire of punches. Well, we see him fighting on the inside here. Um, he's digging Billy O to the body. I mean, he's ripping some hellacious body shots that are taking whatever starch is left out of De Leon. Yeah, De Leon tried to pull his pants up to his uh, chin to try to make his... <laughs> but it, it didn't work here. <laughs> oh, my God. If they would have fought 100 times, he would have gotten knocked out 100 times. Holyfield battered this man. Second round, he lands that right cross. Third round, he begins to go to the body, scorches him. Fourth round, another right cross. Each round, he is just putting a frightful beating to to a Coliseum. Yeah, I mean, it just—I don't—I didn't see one clean shot from DeLone to that hit Holyfield. Um, looked like he was just trying to survive in there. In the eighth round, Holyfield. Oh, He's just beating the hell out of him. He he throws a left hook right cross combination that almost knocks De Leon over the top rope, not through the ropes, over the top rope. And finally, uh, Mills Lane says, "Ah, this shit is enough. I'm stopping this shit." Yeah, and Mike Tyson on you know at ringside watching this fight because Mike already knew. Mike was cleaning out the division at this time. Mike was about to put Michael Spinks into retirement. And he had to look for uh, somebody else down the line that was going to uh, be a big money fight. And the only one left would have been Evander Holyfield. Yeah, and Holyfield had, um, had I think, bested him in some sparring sessions. So, And also something I want to bring up. Back in back during the Olympics, the 1984 Olympics, uh, Mike Tyson was an alternate on the Olympic team. He didn't fight in the Olympics, but he was an alternate just in case uh, the, the the super heavyweight Henry Tillman had gotten sick or, or 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 ill, he would take his place. Well, there was there was a uh, they were they were shooting pool one night, all the boxes, and Mike Tyson was bullying all the fighters, the little guys, everything. Hey, get the fuck out the way! I, I he would lose. I, I didn't lose. Next, so it was Holyfield's turn to play, and Mike was like. Get the fuck out of here, man. I'm playing. And Holyfield was like, well, we could take this outside. I'm playing. If you don't like it, we go outside and fight the seat, but I'm playing. Mike Tyson back down. <laughs> yeah, man, I wouldn't want to mess with Holyfield either. He he looked like a tough motherfucker. <laughs> and Holyfield always had this, like, sneer on his face, you know? Like, he just had that, like, look on his face. He's like very, While he was a nice guy, he was always serious-minded. You never saw Holyfield in his prime joke. He no. took everything very seriously. He took boxing. Boxing was his bread and butter. Holyfield came from a very poor family in Atlanta, Georgia. He took care of his entire family. He wasn't going to play around. He was serious to the bone. Now, talk about his uh, – he, he he was trained for a long time by Lou Duva. He was trained by Lou Duva and one of the five greatest trainers of all time, the late, great Georgie Benton. While Lou Duva was the de facto trainer – the real trainer in the Lou Duva stable was Georgie Benton. Georgie Benton was the mastermind, mastermind behind Pernell Sweet Whitaker, behind Evander Holyfield, behind Meldrick Taylor. It was Georgie Benton. Duva was the master motivator. He was the cheerleader. Ah, come on, guys. But Benton was the strategist. Yeah, well, I noticed he was the one talking in most of the uh... – uh, Duva, you know, Duva would, would uh, hey, towel you up and, and – yeah. and, 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 and smack you on the ass when you go, all right, baby, go. But it was Georgie Benton that was the strategical mastermind of all those great fighters from from the from the Duva stable.
from the main event stage. Yeah, Duva was like the Bobby Brain Heenan of boxing. You know, it's like, I mean, uh, Georgie Ben was a man, and um, when Leon Speaks, when Leon Speaks defeated Muhammad Ali, Georgie Benton was his trainer. Georgie Benton was one of the great. He died too young. One of the great. He's up there with Freddie Roach, Eddie Futch, Emmanuel Stewart, and Angelo Dundee. As right there, those are the five greatest trainers of all time. Yeah. All right. Well, we maybe we'll do a show uh, the greatest performances of trainers. But well, uh, we could do just a show on the greatest trainers of all time, and those five guys would be a great show. I mean, um, yeah. I mean, those five guys they revolutionized the sport of, of boxing. Eddie Futch and George Benton were the only guys to trade to 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 uh, train fighters that beat Muhammad Ali. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a big accomplishment. Uh, Eddie Futch trained Larry Holmes, Ken Norton, and Joe Frazier. George Ben trained Leon Spinks, so there you go. So okay, so so let's talk about his. Uh, he moved up, then he did what he said he was going to do after he. He gives up the title. And he goes on and he and he knocks out James Tillis, who gave Mike Tyson his toughest fight. He knocks out Pickler Thomas, who gave Mike oh, Mike Tyson a tough fight. He knocks out Michael Dokes, former WBC champion. He knocks out Adelson Rodriguez, who was an overrated bum, um, who was actually a number one contender from Brazil, who beat nobody. He fought a war, a fight we covered on the Greatest Fight series with Alex Stewart, a great fight. Great fight, I remember that fight, yeah. Covered that fight on, on, on the greatest fight series. Great fight. Then he beat a stiff from Ireland called Seamus McDonough. Um, this fight should have been sanctioned. Knocked him out in the fourth round. And then, while waiting to fight Mike Tyson, Buster Douglas knocks out Mike Tyson in Japan. And so, Buster Douglas has to defend all three titles against Evander Holyfield, October 25th, 1990. Now, something happened to, uh, I mean, in all fairness, something happened to Buster Douglas in between here, man. He got fat as fuck. <laughs> Douglas, Buster Douglas, after beating Mike Tyson, he was hungry. Um, his mother had just died. I don't think anybody would have beaten Buster Douglas that night. He fought a perfect fight. He fought one of the greatest. Talk about, we talk about greatest performances in boxing history. That was one of the greatest single performances in the history of boxing. He just beat the shit out of Mike Tyson, knocked him out, and he becomes the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. His hunger left. His, his hunger stayed in the ring that night. And I'm yeah. talking about boxing hunger, not his actual hunger, because he ate himself out of the heavyweight championship. He went on a talk show circuit, um, and he was eating and eating and eating and eating. He came in the ring over 250 pounds, out of shape. With a pair of tits on him. I mean, he needed a training bra. He was woefully out of shape that night. Um, Holyfield would have beaten Buster Douglas anyway, but it would have been a better fight. Buster Douglas had no business being in the ring that night. He was woefully out of shape. Yeah, uh, and he did nothing in this fight. I mean, really. All he did was throw wild shots, and the first two rounds is all Holyfield. Holyfield's doing whatever he wants to. And in the third round, you know this guy's out of shape because Buster Douglas Throws an uppercut from across the street. He's not inside. He's he's outside trying to throw an uppercut, and Holyfield lands a picture perfect right cross. Buster Douglas goes down while he's alert. His legs have no movement. It's one of those punches, Logan, that you know where you're at, but your legs won't react. Yeah, he, he couldn't couldn't get up. Couldn't get up, and that was the end of Buster Douglas's career. 
He almost dies a few years later. He, he eats himself into a diabetic coma. God damn it! His, I mean, this this must have been the easiest heavyweight victory in in history. I mean, just oh one. no, no, that Tyson Michael Spinks victory was pretty. Easy. Oh, uh, that's right. <laughs> but I mean, you know, that looked like I don't know. That looked like almost a dive. But uh, yeah, I mean, actually, it wasn't. It wasn't. We we covered that. Um, but but still, I mean, easy fight for Holyfield. I mean, he could have fought again that same night. He would have been fine. I, I saw this fight at the Beacon Theater on closed circuit. Um, when, when the fight's over, so when I'm leaving, I see people coming to the fight, shocked that it was over real quick. I said, God damn, y'all motherfuckers are too late. Y'all, y'all spent money for tickets for nothing. <laughs> now, we should say that uh, because we covered a lot of Holyfield fights in the Greatest Performances series, they weren't on this one. But like, if you were, if we didn't do those, what would be his real three greatest performances? We covered several of his. He was one of the, he he was one of the fighters that we featured the most on the greatest fight series. Yeah. I mean, you look at all three fights with Riddick Bow. We covered. Oh, actually, we covered his fight with Riddick Bow on Riddick Bow's greatest performance series. Yeah. And the, and you had the other two fights on the greatest uh, fight series. You had um his victory over Mike Tyson, the first fight on the greatest fight series. Um, that they, that was a masterful performance by a guy. The only reason he got the shot at the title, Logan, was because because Mike Tyson thought he was washed up. He was that he was shot. He right, he thought he had a heart problem. He was a huge underdog in that fight, and he beats the shit out of Tyson. His rematch victory over Michael Morrow when he knocks him on the eighth round to to unify two world championships, masterful performance. His, his second fight went over Riddick Bowe. He overcomes a huge weight advantage, and the fan man coming in the ring and and, and stopping the fight for an hour. He overcomes all that to win a to to win a well-deserved split decision. Yeah, uh, many great fights in Holyfield's storied career. That uh, just go to YouTube, type in Evander Holyfield's name. His entire career is all but there. Yeah. Now, now he had, he did have, like you said, there was some uh, questioning of his. Uh... His heart at a certain point. Oh, after after he beat Riddick Bowe to regain the world championship, he would defend this title in April of 1994 against Michael Mora. And in the during that fight, it looks like he's about to suffer a heart attack. He had uh, he had a heart problem in that fight, which caused him to retire after the fight was over. Right, and he he seemed yeah he looked like he was done, you know, and that was uh, going to be the end of his and career. Then, and uh, two years later, he fights Bobby Chez in Madison Square Garden, and he looks real lethargic, real lethargic. Um, Chez nope. quits, quits on in his stool because he claims he was blinded by some stu- substance in his eye. Holyfield looked like shit that night, and off of that fight, Mike Tyson gave him gave, gave him the title fight. Yeah, and he thought it was going to be an easy fight. <laughs> Not so. Nope, nope. It and... was easy fight, all right. It was an easy fight for Holyfield. <laughs> well, it wasn't that easy. I mean, he 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 withstood that initial onslaught that Tyson tries to put on you. Yeah, well, Holyfield Holyfield always knew. My father always knew, and, and and he made me and he made me believe. And I saw later on when they did fight that Holyfield was always going to beat Mike Tyson because Mike Tyson was a three round fighter, and Holyfield you wasn't going to knock out Holyfield in the first three rounds. I don't care who you were. There's not a fighter that ever fought. That was going to knock out a prime event in Holyfield within three rounds. There's not a fighter that was ever created. 
Holyfield for everybody. Oh, that so, chin of his was three round fighter. Yeah. Once Mike got past three rounds, Holyfield was going to dominate. Yeah. Now he now talk about his fights with Lennox Lewis. They fought twice in 1999. The first fight, Lennox Lewis fought a beautiful twelve, beautiful, beautiful twelve round fight where he dominated with the jab. He hurt Holyfield several times. Once again, you had blind men at the at, at ringside, and they scored it a draw. Another horrible decision. And then they fought several months later, and Lennox Lewis gets the well-earned decision and, gets the, the undis- and becomes the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. Yeah, and so... Uh, and the beginning of the decline of Evander Holyfield's career. Um, the last 10 years of his, of his career, he had no business fighting. Oh, yeah, yeah. He fought way too long. I mean, he was. I think he was fighting like five years ago, right? The last fight he had, though, was uh, four years ago. How long? Four years ago. Oh, my God. Yeah, so he, he was fighting on some, like, in Russia and shit, like Roy yeah, Jones. He was fighting in Denmark, in Russia. He was, because people, uh, 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 sanctioning commissions it's, 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 would not, state commissions would not sanction him to fight. Yeah. So he had to go to other countries to get fucked up. Anyway, so he, yeah, I mean, he's still, whatever, you know, he, He's still in the um, Boxing Hall of Fame. He's, he, def- he's not eligible yet. He, he he just retired two years ago. So he's got another two or three years to go before he will be. Oh, he's a shoe-in. He will be a free to shoe-in. If, if he doesn't get in, then you can fucking close the fucking Hall of Fame. <laughs> now, do you think uh, if he had fought uh, Lennox Lewis earlier in his career, he would have? I think if he would have fought Lennox Lewis around the time he fought Riddick Bowe, he would have beaten Lennox Lewis because Lennox Lewis wasn't with Emmanuel Stewart yet and was very raw, a very raw fighter. Mm-hmm. Lennox and, Lewis had, hadn't developed that great jab of his yet that, event, that Emmanuel Stewart taught him and learned to fight taller. Lennox Lewis was more of a slugger. I think Holyfield would have out, out, he would have outsmarted Lennox Lewis and won a 12-round decision. But and, once Lennox Lewis got with Emmanuel Stewart, Holyfield was tailor-made. Holyfield's problem Problems were always with tall fighters. He had Riddick Bowe and Lennox Lewis gave him his toughest fights because they were six five and taller, and they had phenomenal jabs that Ben Holyfield couldn't get past. Now, if he had fought Tyson when he was supposed to fight Tyson, you think he would have beat him? He would have beaten Tyson. Tyson was a three round fighter, Logan. They were supposed to fight November of 1991 after he knocked out Buster Douglas. A month before the fight. Mike Tyson came down with a mysterious shoulder injury. And that fight was supposed to be rescheduled a few months later, but he got convicted of rape and went to jail. Right, right. But, I mean, it would have been, do you think it would have been a better fight? He would have knocked him out. I know he would have knocked him out, but would Tyson have done at least better? The first two or three rounds, Mike would have came at him. So it would have been the same. Holyfield. But once Holyfield recuperates, it's going to be a, a barrage of punches. And it's going to be a beating. It's going to be similar to 96, except more destructive because Holyfield was in his prime in 91. Yeah. But the thing about it is that before Tyson got beat by Buster Douglas, there was a mystique around him. That... Yeah, because a lot of fighters would come in the ring already beaten. Right. That was never going to happen with Evander Holyfield because he was mentally, he was mentally as strong as any fighter ever, that ever lived. Yeah, so he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have fall that prey to that. That wasn't going to happen. That shit wasn't going to help you against Evander Holyfield. Right, right. That would help. That would help. That would help against 
a washed-up Larry Holmes or Michael Spinks, a washed-up, broken-down Michael Spinks just looking to cash his $15 million and go home. But yeah. that, that, that would, Mike Tyson's mystique would have never worked against Ali, and it would definitely, it definitely never worked against Evander Holyfield. Well, there you have it. So, so Evander Holyfield, greatest performances here. And and if you want to, um, I mean, if if you think about Evander Holyfield in the context of the greatest heavyweights, where would you where would you put him? I would put him no higher than nine or ten. And if you say he's not in the top ten, I won't argue. There've been so many great heavyweights. Uh, we 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 stated the list before. I'll go through my list again. Ali one, Lewis two. Jack Johnson three, Jack Dempsey four, Lennox Lewis five, and then you wanna you wanna oh man George Foreman six, Joe Frazier seventh. Ooh, there's been so many great heavyweights. They, the the list is endless. Oh, Holyfield's not better than those guys. Now, how would Holyfield have done against Ali? He would have lost a 15 round decision. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's see. Uh, I'm trying to think of some other greats that we would have put him up against. I mean, who would you most like him if if you could pick any fighter in history to have him fight against? I would have loved to have seen a Vander Holyfield Jack Dempsey fight. That would <laughs> that would have been the fight of the millennium. Oh my god. Okay. And you think I Dempsey would pull it out? Lewis, because Joe Lewis is when Joe Lewis is knocking everybody out. I would have loved to have seen Evander Holyfield fight Joe Lewis. That would that that would have been a great fight. I think Lewis wins, but I don't think he knocks out Holyfield. I think Lewis wins a 15 round tough split decision. Yeah, that's one thing that we've learned through Holyfield's career. He is a tough dude to knock out. He he, he one of the great one of the five greatest chins in the history of boxing. I mean, and no brain damage, right? Say it again. No brain damage. Luckily, he took so many shots. I, the fight we covered his fight against George Foreman, the greatest fight series. George Foreman hit him with some fucking brutal sledgehammers, and Holyfield just went there. <laughs> yeah, man. Anyway, so that's uh, that's that. So uh, we will. Uh, what, what, who's our next guy on the greatest performances? Yeah, and I want a, a quick shout out to my man Daniel Cisneros because he was a close friend of this guy, and he covered his entire career. He died a few years ago. The one of the greatest fighters ever to come out of New Mexico, the late great Johnny Tapia. Okay, Johnny Tapia is on deck, and uh, later on tonight we're going to be talking about the movie Harlem Nights. And it, it, this is this has a, a boxing theme. But Stan Shaw plays a fighter who is very similar to Mike Tyson in that movie. <laughs> who is he supposed to be? Jack Johnson or what? I think he was supposed to be Joe Lewis. But he talks like Mike Tyson. <laughs> he stutters like a motherfucker. Also, you guys, you guys, you guys uh, 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 I'm a doctor now. Yeah. Also, we got uh, Roberto Duran makes a cameo. The cameo in Harlem Nights as well, and um, Richard Pryor's name in the movie is Sugar Ray. There you go. So we'll be talking about that at Logan's Movie Reviews on Blog Talk Radio. So check it out. And uh, what, uh, we are on um, all our archives are at superfriendsuniverse.com. So, uh, one silver, man. Thanks again, man. We'll talk soon. Talk to you tonight, big man. Peace.